Hey, what's up? This is Menle Golakai Agri. And this is Lauren Yoshiko, and welcome to Broccoli Talk. So today we are going to be continuing just talking to each other because it's a day about eating weed. And Menle, who has written The Art of Weed Butter, which was published earlier this year, has a few things to say about that got a lot to say about it specifically that I love butter it's the best yeah the art of wee butter has been a very interesting look at at edibles i mean it's 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 really unassuming it's just like a nice little flip guide book to kind of figure out how to make can of butter aka weed butter um, how to apply it and and really sort of a little bit of the history of of how it came to be love it i can't wait to get into it and all of my burning questions about burning and not burning weed and then eating it. So here we go. The Art of Weed Butter, published February. How has it been? You uh, you wrote much more than just a little cookbook, huh? I guess I did. I guess in my, in my true ranting personality, I, I did a couple just a few um, chapters in the beginning that really kind of gets into, you know, the legality of herb and how we even came to be at this this place of privilege to be able to like eat a damn edible and make it at home. Um, when, you know, as we know, there's still a lot of people in jail for it. So I, you know, it was, the section is like, sorry for the buzzkill, but I think it's just really important to kind of like understand that, or at least like just be gently reminded how far we've come um, to be able to to eat and make edibles. But essentially, it's it's just a, a sweet little book that that um, helps guide you through how to make can of butter, whether it's vegan butter, ghee, avocado seed oil, shea butter, you know, things that you can incorporate into different meals that you already like to make and or like onto your skin as topicals. Um, I think it's just a really versatile thing that can be applied in, in various ways. What do you think makes weed butter special? It's really special because I think a lot of us have a very like warm association with butter. <laughs> butter is just so damn good. Even if it's vegan butter, like if you find the right kind, it's just good. I have a funny story from when I was a kid. My mom told me that I used to like bust out like a full package of butter and just like chomp on it, just straight butter. It's a very pure way to add herb into anything that you cook. I think a lot of times in in Sometimes these very prepackaged edibles, you get a lot of you get a lot of shit in there that you don't want, um, and sometimes just like a lot of sugar, frankly. Um, and the the great part about being able to incorporate it on your own is you can add what you want and what you don't want, right? Now I should clear up, like if I wanted to just grab a bud, grind it up, stir it in with some butter, and smear it on toast, versus putting prepared weed butter on my toast, I'm not going to feel the same effects, right? you do need to essentially decarboxylate, which is transferring it, um, you're heating it up and you're transferring the the forms of the cannabinoids from acid form to non-acid form. So essentially 
for example, THCA is THC in acid form, and when you decarboxylate it, it removes the acid, and it, you're left with THC. So the basic um, way to do that is really just popping it. It's like you grind up some herb, like you're about to roll a joint. You put it in the oven um, at 200 degrees Fahrenheit, about 102 degrees Celsius, and you heat it from anywhere to about 15 minutes to 45, depending on if there's any water present in the herb, how fresh it is, various things like that. And, you know, you can go online to search for all of those different specifics. But that's kind of what you have to do in order to do any sort of edible or even topical application of, um, of a homemade butter. Yeah. So decarbing or, or decarboxylating is, is really just heating it up to the point that releases all the good shit into a form that your body can absorb and feel effects from. Exactly. Like when you're smoking a joint, you are decarboxylating it essentially once that flame hits or however you're heating it up, that transfers it directly there. And so that's, I mean, that's why you, it, it, the onset of, of inhaling herb is so immediate because you are like smoking that and that goes directly into your bloodstream from your lungs. But when you're ingesting it, which, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I think a lot of, a lot of times you, you, you find people who get really fucked up and like really fuck themselves over because the onset is anywhere from like 30 minutes to about, I don't know, three hours. So if you decide to, to eat a piece of an edible, you don't feel anything after an hour and you eat more, you know, then you're, you're kind of done. But, um, you know, that kind of has to slowly absorb, like as a result through your plasma and like kind of through your, your liver. And that's why it takes a little bit longer. So the decarboxylating, um, with herb is, is essential, but it does have like another step and another process to really like get into your system, um, and get that feeling and, and, and those benefits out of it. So, People can smoke it. People can vaporize it. Why do people eat weed? People eat herb because it's it's accessible. It's very discreet. I mean, nobody really knows you're eating an edible. Like when you have a gummy or like a little, I don't know, a blueberry muffin, like who's detecting to see if it has herb in it, right? It's it's really nice, especially for the older population of people who want to find relief and maybe like just can't even smoke. Like, can you smoke in a nursing home? No. <laughs> like you cannot blaze in a nursing home. You can't blaze in a hospital. But, you know, eating, eating that is just a really easy way to kind of like find relief it's also really fun I think there's there's a, a very playful like curiosity of of eating something and sort of waiting to see what it does whether you're like with a bunch of people at a dinner or you're just kind of like with your partner or like some friends hiking yeah that's a good point like the first ever recipe was was very much part of the like collective hippie movement right like the Alice B. Toklas recipe and that was a very collective experience like enjoy with friends vibe right Exactly. That was, I think, when we fought, when we first saw the the edible published in a cookbook. I think it came from one of her really good friends who was a poet and like soundscape artist, and sort of like snuck in the hashish uh, fudge brownie, and it you know it has cashews and dates, and it's just like a really chewy, delicious um, treat. But that's like the OG pot brownie, and it's come a long way too when you think about bong or or bang. Um, I might be fucking this up, like for those of you who who know how to properly pronounce it. But that was when we actually really first saw edibles introduced into the world, right? In this is this takes place in India. It was basically and still is essentially like a weed smoothie. You've got 
herb. You've got a lot of like very chai-like substances like um, clove and and cinnamon and cardamom and, and even some rose water sort of in the mix. And it was often used as a way to celebrate the holiday of Holi, which is basically like the awakening of spring kind of in that timeline or that, that time of, of year. And sometimes it was given to um, soldiers who had to fight battle and really wanted to like calm their nerves. Um, sometimes it was given to newlyweds who, you know, just had some issues like getting it on or like getting comfortable and like chilling out with each other before like being able to bang. Um, not to be confused with the actual term of the... <laughs> but banging, get it. Um, and, you know, it's it's developed into simply, I mean, kind of the same thing. I think a lot of us continue and will always continue to, to eat herb as a way to like, achieve different levels of comfort, you know, for ourselves. And it's, it's, it's just, it's been around forever. I think our, our relationship between eating cannabis has been um, a long time coming. Oh, I love that. I did not know anything about the origins of that word. I've I've seen some rec product somewhere in the states that's like bang bars and now I am low key offended on behalf of this deeply rich history. That is incredible. I personally of course have a shit weed edible origin story of like my first experience being too high, too much involving Alice in Wonderland and 3D and yeah it was not pretty and it turned me off of edibles and I ended up coming back around to them experiencing my first low dose controlled edible a few years ago and it was like oh a 10 milligram lozenge is truly like an anti-anxiety pill it does it's not like a smoking a joint at all it's a very different experience but it was doing something for me that I didn't know I could experience without like a prescription also in this post legalization era I initially wasn't I didn't feel anything about these like edible dinners popping up everywhere it was like okay people are just stoked to be able to do weed big whoop but then I went to one and it's like Weed is the least interesting part of the experience. It's about being in this completely new environment where you're at this table of strangers. Everyone's on the same ride. We're all on the same page. We're not really sure what's going to happen next. Maybe we'll get a little stoned. Maybe we'll get really stoned. Maybe it's just a CBD dinner and, and the people at the table are getting educated and, and super excited to see how the chef is going to coordinate ingredients and courses to fit the different strain profiles and tasting notes but it's also like I mean just a cool environment of like people who are excited for something different and just in it together like that collective experience and it is not like a smoke sesh in the woods it's a totally different adventure you know it's it's it is and I like that you mentioned that especially when it comes to that low dose like that low dose is where it's at like when you talk about edibles we should just always just be talking about the low dose um except for people who really like you know need pain relief and really trying to go to that the sixth dimension but food is it's remarkable how it brings people together it sounds really corny but food is like the first thing that we have really like been in contact with as humans you know you're nourished initially that's how you stay alive and I think when you combine that with an experience that can be you know let's be real like cannabis can be psychedelic when we're talking about THC it is it is essentially that and so when you go on these these little journeys with other people that really I don't know it really gives you um like a community experience that you find just with food but also like you find in in the cannabis community um in general i think 
And I feel similar sentiments whenever um, I do hosts like dinner parties with herb, you know, and and people sort of have this this very playful, childlike, like very earnest wonder of, you know, how is this going to feel? Like, what? How much should I take? You know, they they want to be guided and and they want their their hands to be held because it is a really it is a really special thing to be able to experience, and it can also get really you know it can get really scary. I think like like your story, a lot of people have have that I ate too much story. Um, and I'm really trying to avoid that for people. But you know what, you, you never know how your body interacts. And, um, and so you can never really be prepared. But luckily, you know, you can take it slow. I think taking it slowly is always good. And always having like a, a like, I got too high starter pack is just like a good look to, to know in life, you know, you want some peppercorns, you want some lime, you want some lemon, some citrus, um, some soda water, and even ibuprofen. A friend of mine said that uh, she has a really, she, she knew of an antidote from a nurse who works basically at the ER. And she says when people come through, <laughs> which they do, um, really nervous and scared about like eating too many edibles or like getting too high, she basically just like gives them some ibuprofen and like tells them to wait. <laughs> So you you know like you you're never really gonna you know nothing terrible is gonna happen. You just really have to be prepared and know you know know what to expect and really know your body. Like having those low doses, having those five milligram lozenges, or even having the the knowledge to know like I can't do any more than like 0.5 milligrams of THC, um, or I can only do like a 20 to one CBD THC. It's just really helpful, and I think it just has created like a a better experience by far for the edible community. What do bong water, minimalist weed design, and hippie shit all have in common? That's Mr. Green. If you've been reading Broccoli Mag for a while, you might even remember their feature in our first issue. Mr. Green is a friendly shop for high-minded people, and we love the mix of humor, style, and art across everything they do. From artist collabs to countercultural zines, keychains to water bottles and hilarious shirts, you could pretty much furnish your entire life with these vibes. Basically, weed is more fun with Mr. Green. Visit their shop in Los Angeles or online at green-mr.com. On Instagram, tap the follow at shopmrgreen. What is a what's a recipe that you want to kind of highlight or something that you've been into lately? You know, I've been thinking about the book. And I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot that about that recipe. I should have like I should be making that more often. Um, you know, sometimes I think when when you're going through different phases of like cooking food, I think we can all agree like you get really stoked on like these five recipes and you make them over and over and over again. And then you get burnt out. Um, so I'm kind of like on the the tail end of a, of a burnt out cycle. And so I've started honestly making a lot of recipes um, from my mom as I think maybe some of you know she was born and raised in Liberia and um, you know some of her family members and my ancestors are from Ghana and so fufu and soup and uh, palm butter are like very very important staples in that part of the world palm butter essentially is kind of like a um, it's a little seed that the palm that certain palm trees will bloom right after it like sort of flowers and these little like nuts essentially get boiled and then you kind of remove the fat from it and so it creates this kind of um, creamy curry if you know mole like kind of like that sort of texture and it's just like so good you can add anything in it 
it. You can make it um, vegan if you want. You can add like some potatoes, some yuca to it. The authentic way of making it is is doing like a nice mix of seafood and lamb um, and chicken and meat. And so I've been really trying to like perfect the the right dose of that with fufu and and palm butter. So like really getting that that dose that it's enough herb that I can like sort of feel it, you know, gently like warming and, and wrapping my body, but not necessarily like fucking me up because the tendency is to eat a lot of that. So I've been making a lot of that um, in various forms and also um, shortbread cookies. Like they're so easy to make and you use so much butter <laughs> that it's just like you can kind of inhale it um, You like a vacuum when, when they're around, or at least I'm like a vacuum when they're around. So those two have been like the heavy hitters that I've been putting into the the uh, the rotation. But uh, one of the recipes from the book that I completely forgot about, grits, shrimp and grits, like that recipe I forgot is so good. So good. I recommend it to anyone with or without herb. It's just delicious. I think for this time of year too, it's just like a really good treat to have. What does food mean to you when it comes to people's tastes and their stories? Mm, That's a really good question. Um, food has, food has kind of been like my anti-hater raid. Um, <laughs> cause I usually will like wake up and drink some haterade, but food has been an anti to that. As you know, I live in Mexico city and, um, it is, it is beautiful. It is vibrant. It is wonderful. I'm so grateful to be like accepted by the, the country in general and my friends and my loved ones, um, and my partner, but it's is racist. And, you know, anti-Black sentiments exist um, all over the world, unfortunately. And initially, I was really upset and really disheartened by that. And it kind of turned more into like a curiosity and a sense of like research, right? It was kind of like, okay, well, why? And like, what what is that all about? And what's the history here? And I sort of started like diving into the history of things and diving into like the history of 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 Mexico and of who lives in Mexico and what it means to be a Mexican, especially um, a black Mexican. And food is very, I don't know if you know, but food is like a big deal in Mexico <laughs> and it's delicious and it's important. And there were just different dishes that I would end up tasting. And I was kind of like, this tastes like my mom's cooking or this tastes like something that I've tasted in the South. Like you think of tamales and there's like a, the Southern tamale and then there's like the tamale in Mexico. And then there's actually um, a town in the Congo, I believe that's called tamale. And so there's just, I think food has been a really interesting way of tracking and really recognizing how and where people have come from and sort of bringing us all together. Um, it's so fucking corny, but food brings us together. You're you're talking about feeling like a stranger pretty much around the globe and yet also finding these pockets of food that remind you of home and of your identity all around the world. And I'm a I'm a half Japanese fifth generation kid living on the west coast who feel i mean i couldn't feel further from japanese culture i don't speak the language my mom doesn't speak the language my grandma speaks some and my my great grandma has a a portland oregon birth certificate we are very much west coast family and because of that like when i think about home cooked food when i think about my comfort soul food it's this weird combination of like west coast hawaii spanglish 
Asian realness. Like, I want spam and eggs and fresh baguette from a Portland bakery. That is my, that is my kind of breakfast right there. Weed is, weed and, and food have that, that shared quality because it is something you, it, it is like that metaphor for breaking bread. Like, I always joke about there is no better Santa Claus type of feeling than when you've got extra bud and you can give it to a homie who's out. Don't you agree? Oh, it's so good. Or like, you know, whenever, well, when you're traveling and you have a lot of extra herb, like you went to travel somewhere and you just kind of like leave that little pouch either, I don't know, sometimes on the side of the street, hoping somebody will find it. Like there, there's, there's a jet, like a sense of generosity and a sense of, dare I say, like abundance that I think you do only really find when it comes to herb and food. It's something that like at the at my barest bones, it's it's something that you want to do because you want to nurture somebody, you know, and you want to take care of somebody. And honestly, like it's kind of creepy. Like I want to look at your face when you're eating that like oh, meal I mean, that I made I for you. A, that is me too. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad you're not hungry anymore. But like, tell me how much you liked it. Yes. That's like, I'm glad it's like nourished you and you'll live to see tomorrow. But like, tell me how good that was right now. You like stare. I like, like find myself staring at people as they like open their mouths and like putting the fork in. And I'm just like waiting on their like every movement just to like get that okay. I do think there's interesting new pressures for this like new generation of women on their own to be this like like holistic food bloggy food Instagrammy queen. Like look at my quinoa bowl for one. It's perfect right after cycling. Like, that's a new kind of pressure I feel in the kitchen of, like, seeing, like, hot pictures of girls post-workout making themselves, like, incredibly nutritious um, post-workout meals. I don't know. that. Sometimes I think that kind of jams up the, the dynamics of things in a new way. You're absolutely right. You know, when the, when the book first came out, I was like, fuck, do I now have to be like a food porn person on the Instagram? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? I really was hesitant to even post food, um, you know, and, and, and not to bring it to like this weird meta Instagram conversation, but it's true. It, it's, there does seem to be a lot of pressure in terms of, you know, can you do it all? Can you, can you be casual and careless and, and, and fabulous and free and healthy and, and all of that. But I think, you know, I think we all know the answer to that. Like, who gives a fuck? What I have found to be really kind of weird is that for as much as I love good food and for as much as I love to cook and love to eat other people's food that they prepare, whenever my husband goes out of town, I eat like the most fucked up shit ever. And it's like a meal. Like I'll eat gummy bears and a glass of wine and some weird like leftover salad from the refrigerator and honestly feel like I'm thriving. And there's something like I get off on the idea of sometimes you just like you can just eat whatever is available to you, um, whatever is easiest for you and like whatever you feel you know and I think when it comes to food it's a, it's a really good thing to remember you know so long as you're taking care of yourself in the way that you want I think that is a really important like aspect like you you know like not everything has to be photographed not everything has to be like shown and shared like you can just like take care of yourself and nurture yourself in the way you best know how you know my fresh cucumber salad with ginger and garlic and onion and cilantro is going to look great on the gram, but like I'm equally excited to eat this bowl of Apple Jacks at like 7 p.m. today before dinner because that's how I'm feeling today. 
there's a lot of recipes that just have like three ingredients. Like there's a green, there's like a ganja smoothie that's basically like raspberries, some infused coconut oil, and like you're good, you know? Um, It's just, it's just important to like, to know that you can make something like really quick and easy because people have been making food since the beginning of time and like it's, it can be done easily and, and still nourish you. Yes, that is so good to hear the the need for that kind of accessibility. And there's a, a whole other facet to the charm of the title for me. I mean, I love your book because the cover is a beautifully shot pat of butter. But also, it's incredible to think that like, this art of creating something that has not been considered art, really, is kind of the secret to taking your cannabis, your edible cannabis world into your own hands. Like you get to choose it. It is absolutely nothing to do with you being living in states where you can go buy stuff at a dispensary or knowing what kind of strains you like or even being a comprehensively talented chef. Like all you need is a few ingredients and uh, the patience to probably try it a few times and once you find your dose, you get to be one of those people DMing Menlay and being like, sup, girl, I'm a three tablespoons kind of girl. What about you? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I mean, it's it's easy. It's really easy to do. And it's like it's fun to be able to take control over like how how and what you do. I mean, it's kind of fun also to find your right dose. Like sometimes you will get fucked up. Like just make sure you have like that weekend where you can kind of say, all right, like which what kind of girl am I? Like what kind of dose girl am I? It's like finding your right drink or finding the right shoe size even. It's just a relief. And you're like, oh, finally, I know me. I know this. I know this is the right hair length for my face shape right now. I know this is me. That's like security of like, ugh, no more, no more testing. I know that this dose works for me. The So your book itself, how can we find it? Where is it available? It is available on IndieBound.com. Um, also, like on IndieBound, you can sort of type in your zip code and it shows you any local bookstore where it's available. Surprisingly, there's really good distribution, so it's kind of available worldwide. Um, you can find it on my website at menlay.com. Yeah, it's it's all over. Is there anything else you want to say kind of to all the prospective weed chefs and and just people who like to eat good food and enjoy good weed out there? Just keep cooking. Keep eating. Keep eating. (laughs) Keep cooking. Keep eating, y'all. This episode was produced by Anya Charbonneau. Our music is by Giselle Garcia. And our logo design is by Jennifer Wright. Visit Broccoli online at BroccoliMag.com and on our Instagram at Broccoli underscore Mag. Thank you so much for listening to the show.